Hello, welcome to DataFrame. I'm Adele, data evangelist and educator at DataCamp. And DataFrame is a weekly podcast in which we explore how individuals and organizations can succeed with data. In this episode, I wanted to share with you our second Radar 2023 session that we're releasing on DataFrame. And this one is with Jordan Morrow. In this session, Richie and Jordan go into detail about how data literacy can help organizations become more resilient, whether the challenges of 2023 and a lot more. Now, for newcomers who didn't listen to yesterday's episode, just as a warning, the format will be slightly different for these episodes as oftentimes we take audience questions as well. And moreover, the audio quality is that of a Zoom call, but we hope that this brings additional perspectives from Radar to a wider audience. Now, let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome. We're almost done with the day, but we've got a couple of great sessions for you. And this one is going to be a bit of a doozy uh, with, with Jordan here. So we'll get started in just a moment to give everyone a chance to drift in from the other sessions. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah, uh, we've got Scott in the audience saying, go, Jordan. Go, Jordan. Go, yeah, Jordan. Scott, uh, party. Hi, Scott. <laughs> Brilliant. So uh, while we're getting going, please do let us know where you're joining from. Let us know if you've got any data experience as well. Uh, it's always nice to know uh, who's, who's data literate all, already. Uh, so uh, to answer your first question, yes, this session is being recorded. All the radar sessions are being recorded. We'll have access to the recording after the session is over. In the meantime, please enjoy the show. We're going to have about 10 minutes at the end to answer your questions. You don't need to wait till the end to ask a question. You can post a question uh, using the AMI Q&A tool uh, anytime you like. We'll get to those uh, towards the end. Uh, if you want to talk about uh, your experiences in the session, anything you've learned, please do post on social media. Use the hashtag DCRadar2023 so other people can find uh, your posts. Uh, so regardless of the platform, that's the hashtag to use. Uh, looking forward to seeing what you're talking about. All right. Uh, with that, let me see. We've got uh, Adika joining from Kenya. We've got Scott joining from uh, Virginia. Yamil from Mexico. Hello to you all. Vincent from Ventura in Canada. Uh, we've got Bernard from Nigeria. Uh, Haley from Indianapolis. And Steve uh, from uh, London, uh, London Town in the UK, uh, Epiphany from Kenya, Nicholas from Jamaica, and Jasmine from uh, Atlanta. We've got people from all over the world. Uh, really exciting to see uh, a global crowd turning up for this event. All right. So uh, with that, I think let's get started. Now, 2023 is turning out to be kind of a weird year financially. There's been lots of talk for like about a possible recession for months now. Many businesses have been cutting back on costs in preparation. And so whether or not like a recession happens is hard to predict. But fortunately, there is something that is much easier to forecast. We know for sure that data is taking over everything and that data literacy is going to be important. However, the devil is in the details, of course, and it can be difficult to know how to implement data literacy in your own business. So guiding you through how to run a data literacy program and talking about data literacy in general is perhaps the biggest name in data literacy is Jordan Morrow. 
Thanks. I'm not not sure about that, but I'll take it. You're awesome. I, and Liliana, I don't know if you saw the comment. She made a comment about you and I being twins, I think. And you know, I could only be so lucky uh, to be Richie's twin. So absolutely. We got the beard. I've got more white hair maybe than Richie does. That's that's probably the pop not, problem here. Uh, yeah, we'll have to do a beard comparison. I don't know if anyone in the audience wants to like share photos of your beard. I'm not sure how you do that, but uh, always happy to see uh, beard pictures. Anyway, uh, uh, Jordan is uh, VP and Head of Data and Analytics at Brainstorm. He's also the author of the B Data trilogy of books. So starting with B Data Literate and B Data Driven. Uh, and he's just got an incredible amount of experience advising companies on how to become data literate. So I... Uh, very keen to hear his ideas. Uh, all right, so uh, welcome, Jordan. Um, and I guess uh, to begin with, uh, just let's find out a little bit about you. So can you just tell us about what you yeah. do Brainstorm? Yeah, so I mean, I've kind of got two jobs. I do a ton of work within uh, data literacy. I've, I've helped pioneer and invent this entire field all the way back in 2016. My first idea maybe around it could go back to 2014 or 15. I'm so old now I forget. Uh, but I do. I, I speak all over the world. Recently, Gal, I've been all over the place. I was in South Africa. Now I might get my timing right. Two weeks ago, then last week I was in, I, I do a lot of work with the U.S. Army and I'm in Fort Benning in Georgia. And I'm happy at this point to have a break in my travels and, and to be speaking with Data Camp today, of course. So, but that side of it, data literacy, right? I speak a lot. I talk a lot. I advise a lot, if you want to say it that way. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I basically act as almost like a chief data officer for a company I work for. But I mean, let's let's break it down. My passion is absolutely data literacy, the power that it brings, how it impacts things and how it can influence things. So happy to be talking about it again here at, at Radar. And just so everyone in the audience is clear about what we're talking about, um, how do you define data literacy? Yeah. So for me, we could go back to the definition that I used for a long time and I still use. Uh, data literacy is the ability to read, work with, analyze, and communicate with data. Essentially, we're creating comfort and confidence for individuals to be able to work and be successful in this day and age, right? I mean, we, we're living in this amazing world of technology and data and all of these things, but the vast majority of people, that's not the background they've gone to school for. I, I do think we're seeing an increase in that, but when the majority of people, that's not what they did, and now we're saying start to use all this data. Well, we got to figure out a way to, to give them the right skills. And I will say this, everybody's data literate to an extent, everybody, right? I mean, if you have one of these things, uh, which probably every single person in this call has a smartphone, you're, you're connected to data and information and we use it. But can we empower people to make smarter data-driven decisions in their lives and in their organizations, especially as we're sitting here in a world where data and technology are advancing probably faster than we understand at this point. And so having that ability to quickly adapt and move forward and drive and be successful, that right there is a key. Absolutely. And certainly uh, what you mentioned, I found it's a really common story that data is everywhere. And there's a lot of people going, oh, I kind of avoided this at school. I didn't learn about it. And yet somehow I have to deal with data either in my job or in everyday life. Um, so I think just going back to the start, uh, as you said, like you kind of, uh, you really got into this and sort of started thinking about this in 2016. What was the big sort of motivator for you to start saying, okay, everyone needs yeah. to be data literate? So when I was at American Express, so this is prior to when Click hired me in 2016 and basically turned me loose 
to just start building out probably what I would call my idea. But while I was at American Express, one of the things that I had a thought on was I ran a business intelligence group, had what you could call a couple data engineers. I supported the U.S. consumer card there at American Express. It was at the time, it probably still is, their largest portfolio of cards. And one of the things I was in charge of was the training on um, how to use the things we were building. And, but that's when, when you're training towards a tool, we have to remember that's not necessarily training to use data. And so as part of this training, I actually built a curriculum around how to like do basic statistics and, and things like that. And I presented it to my leadership and I was flat out told no. And I, it was one person in particular. So I shouldn't say leadership. It was my executive leader. And she said, no, they're not ready for that. Maybe in the future. I don't think she and I understood what I was stumbling upon, uh, if I can say it that way. Maybe I, maybe I think about the story the wrong way. But then I don't know if the idea ever left my mind on, you know, teaching cool data and analytical concepts. And so Click had an open position that was like analytics curriculum manager. And shout out to Kevin Hannigan. He's still a friend of mine. He shared what I would probably say was a similar vision. Got on a phone, interviewed with him. And on that very first interview, it, it basically, if I'm not mistaken, he was saying, it's your job, but I still had to go through the process. Here's a little known fact on that whole process. Um, at the time, I stopped kind of hearing from Click. And my wife and I got to a point where like, I guess we're out, like we're just not even going to put forth effort anymore and come to find out and, and um, something sad happened. Someone got in a bad car accident. That's why the recruiting fell off. But anyway. Long story short, I get to click June 2016 and I start building product agnostic learning um, or at least thinking about these ideas before starting building product agnostic learning for them, for everybody. We eventually made it free for everybody. And it was in 2017 that Gartner launched an article about data literacy. So it was ahead of that article. And if you had asked me back then, if I could imagine speaking to you today or traveling to South Africa two weeks ago, speaking at the, or being on a panel at the United Nations, wouldn't have ever done that, but, or wouldn't have thought that. I mean, the reality is now um, this, this field is massive. I love it. I'm passionate about it and happy to share any thoughts on it. That's a great story. And I'm glad like you had that support sort of early on, or at least eventually found the right person who could take your ideas on and help sort of build this up. That's brilliant. Um, so just thinking about this uh, from a sort of a business context, um, in general, like why should businesses care about having a data literate workforce? Well, so here's the thing, right? You could probably go to many organizations and we'll use large enterprises right now. I won't call people out specific. I don't want to do that. But if you were to go and ask them, how well are your data, data, per, like data investments performing? I'm going to bet that a lot of the answers are not going to come back with this. Man, we are so successful with data. We're driving data strategy and all of this if we look at it in this realistic, holistic way. And so if we want to, the other thing I would say is when we think about this world of data that we're living in, we produce so much data, but the answer is not just produce tons of data and something magical is going to occur. What matters is we have to get to the right data and we need the, the workforce to be able to do it. And so the whole purpose of data is to empower an organization to make smarter decisions. At least I shouldn't say that's the only purpose, but that is one of the main purposes is these are assets of organizations who can, that can be utilized to make smarter decisions to reach business objectives and goals and strategies. 
But now imagine, let's use a hypothetical example. You have an organization of 10,000 employees. How many of those employees do you think are data and analytics professionals by trade? It's not going to be a large percent. If I were to go high, I would say 500 out of 10,000. That means 9,500 do not have that by profession. And if we want to truly democratize data and be successful with that data, and that's what organizations want is they want success with data. They want to see return. You better empower your workforce to know what to do in this case. That doesn't mean just give them tools. It doesn't mean the technology will do it for them. In some cases it can, but we need the workforce to understand what, how to ask questions and then translate it to a decision. And then beyond the decision, how can they execute on it and iterate? So they're continually learning and all that. Just giving them data, just giving them tools will not do that. We need to empower their data literacy so they can read it, work with it, analyze it, and then communicate with it. That's brilliant. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there, but I think one of the big things you point there is that you normally have like a very small number of people who have data skills by default. And so you actually need a lot of people. How do you start growing that number of people like who have these data skills? Oh my goodness. So it's, it's one of those where if I were to march into an organization and say, we're going to change your organization, people are going to freak out. They're not going to like that saying. And so one of the things that we have to do is drive the awareness and understanding of that organization of just what data is, why it's powerful, what we can do with it. Like that evangelizing, if you will, of the power of data and the power of data literacy is key because that word change frightens people. But if I can then say, we're not changing, we're evolving our organization to be more successful with data. And here's how we're going to do it, right? We don't want to send out an email that says, you have mandatory training. How many of us like that email, right? Do we just click through it as fast as we can to say, I did it, I'm out versus we really have to help people understand why it matters. And then what you do is you, you bring in speakers, you have things like this, all of these things happening, but we have to be strategic on a data literacy strategy. We need to assess each individual who's going to participate. What gaps do they have? What areas of improvement do they need? It's not a one size fits all. And then we work through, we create learning, we create training, we empower them. Like we're sitting here at data camp, right? That's what they're doing is empowering the learner. And as organizations put the right strategy in place, then learners start to see it happening. But there's so much, right? If when we talk about how to unbundle this, we could spend a whole day, probably multiple with organizations to build their strategy because we need to assess people. We need communication plans, probably need a data-driven decision framework in there. You know, I saw Scott make his comment, right? We need good data management. We need good data quality. All of it is a part of a big picture. It's not a one piece. Data literacy will solve everything. Data management solves everything. It all goes together. But we really need to just bring people together and develop that understanding of why this matters. If people don't get it, good luck. It's, it's just not necessarily going to work. And so that would be the starting point. And then there's so many things that, that can follow suit afterward. Okay, that's brilliant. And it seems like the message is that people need to be motivated for this to work. Are the motivations different for different roles? Like perhaps uh, the people who are sort of taking the training, that's going to be different to a manager. So what are the sort of really different motivations there? Yeah. And, and one of the things that I would say is strategy trumps motivation all the time. And so, because motivation is fleeting. And so what I would, I would change that word a little to excitement. 
because what we want to do is motivation can go away. So we want to get them excited. We want to shift their understanding. So not ju- just motivate or excite them. We need to move beyond it. Uh, and that moves to how do we change a frame of mind? And I get that. That The mindset, actually a little sneak preview, um, is probably going to be a big part of my fourth book where my proposals into my publisher right now, uh, the mindset is going to be a part of that. But once you get past that motivation, different levels absolutely have different training. It's going to be different from people, right? Your, your C-suite or executives, they better have data literacy and understanding but they don't necessarily need to learn the modeling. They don't need to learn the coding. They don't need to learn the ins and outs of how the visualization was built. They're probably more from an interpretation and a quick decision-making understanding. At the same time, those C-suite leaders need to be able to buy in fully. They better buy in, they better invest in it, et cetera. Then you have mid-level leadership. And I actually think the mid-level leadership has been forgotten in some cases. And the reason I say that is executives are the ones who have to invest in it. They're the ones that have to buy into it. You have your learners down here. Well, guess who is leading those learners? This right here, that mid-level leadership. So not only do they go through data literacy, they need to know how to make decisions with data, but they have to know how to lead data-driven teams. They need to know how to lead data literacy programs. And then you have the learners themselves who have different aspects that they're trying to attack. And that would be if you're a marketing analyst, how do you work with data? If you're supply chain, how do you work with data? It varies across the thing. Now, what can come across as I'm describing this is this is a massive undertaking and we're not going to boil the ocean, right? It's that old saying, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? That sort of thing. So you, you, you take it in chunks. It is a process. It is changing things up to be a strategy, to be a system versus you're just taking a course here and there. No, we are evolving the culture of the organization to be data-driven and utilize data as an asset, as a part of a tool or as a tool that is a part of everyday life. That's fantastic. And um, that is interesting that you say that um, maybe the hard part is in the middle, like in between the learners and the executives and actually kind of running the, uh, the programs. Mm-hmm. I'd love to get into that in more detail. Before we do that, um, let's provide some motivation. Do you have any examples of like real success stories, maybe some of the clients you've worked with where they pushed for data literacy and then it's been a big benefit? I'm, I'm going to give the biggest shout out I can to the United States Army. And it, that one is, it, I think it's, to me, it sounds so unique because a lot of times you think of um, industries or, or businesses in industry that drive this, but the U.S. Army is investing heavily. I started working with them, I want to say it was June 2021. And just last week, I had a two-star general in the United States Army bring me out to Fort Benning. And his motivation to utilize data is unbelievable. Last summer, I was in DC with a brigadier general whose motivation to do this was unbelievable. I will be at West Point, or the plan is to have me at West Point in June, which is the military academy, where a train-the-trainer is occurring so that I believe it, hopefully what I'm thinking they're doing is just training trainers within the Army to spread out. And then I'll be back at at West Point in November to teach cadets. What we're seeing is this is an organization where questioning things isn't necessarily what you do. You're given orders and you just do it. And I was in D.C. last year with Brigadier General Schultz, and that question came up. I was doing a workshop, and it was like, first off, we're not talking about questioning orders that come down from your commanding leader, right? It's more, is this data real? 
And they are putting so much effort behind it that I would say you're starting to see culture change in some regard. You're starting to see things. And the initiative, it might go back to June 2021, where this number came from, or at least more early on in the process, 1.4 million people was the goal. This is not a small undertaking, but the investment that we're seeing to happen there is one, I think he's a general who does not allow, and maybe I'm saying this wrong if I've got my story wrong, but he doesn't allow PowerPoint anymore. PowerPoint's gone. And it's, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they are using um, a tool that was built by them, for them in the data and analytics space. So it's like, goodbye PowerPoint, use that. I might be wrong that it's the tool that they're using, but use this. It's fascinating to me to watch it happen. I love it. I'm, I'm very, very lucky that I am a part of it. That's pretty amazing seeing 1.4 million people. That's just a huge scale undertaking. And I can imagine there's so many kind of logistic challenges involved in that. And uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Crazy stuff. Um, all right. So uh, let's get into how you actually run these uh, data literacy programs then. So I guess um, if you're starting out, like which teams or roles need to be involved in these programs? Like so before you get to 1.4 million people, yeah, let's start a bit smaller. <laughs> real here. The, the reality of it is, and, and I wish I had a more specific answer to this, but it's contextual. Some organizations are ready. Some organizations, only specific teams are ready. What I would say is if you are a data professional in an organization, starting off as a data professional, or you want to lead an initiative like this, The reality is you've got to find where the enthusiasm is. Number one, you better find someone in the C-suite who's enthusiastic about it. Because the moment you try to run a a larger initiative in an organization where you don't have executive support, they might squash it extremely quickly. Because it's like, that's not our initiative. We don't want that. So number one, I would say, is if you're a leader or a person in an organization, you can lead this. And you might say, well, how can I do that? Well, create program in whatever sphere that you're in and create proof of concepts where you prove out we did X, Y, and Z because of A, B, and C, right? One key thing I would say is a question that I get is who owns this? If your organization has a chief data officer, they should. If there is not a chief data officer, go tell your C-suite to get on board and freaking hires a, a chief data or analytics officer because it's necessary. And that person needs to be in their own unique position Um, I think sometimes they're like, oh, yeah, we have a chief data officer and it's like three or four rungs down the ladder. It might report up through the CIO, the CTO. They have different initiatives. We need the data person probably at the right hand of the CEO of an organization building out data strategy that aligns to the business strategy. An aspect of that data strategy is your data literacy strategy. And so you've got to get the messaging in. You have to get things through. Um, But once that's there, the first thing you have to do is you make sure that people get excited. We talked about the evangelism earlier. Um, We have to get them excited. If there's no excitement to use data, again, good luck. I, I say often the number one roadblock to data and analytics success is people. It's the culture. Um, quite literally, if people are not ready, I don't care what investments you're making in tools, data, and technology, you're going to be coming back in a year and saying, we need new data and tools and technology has nothing to do with the tool or technology. It has the fact that people aren't using it. So get people excited, get them going, find areas in the organization. If the whole thing is not ready, find the hot pockets, find where it's working, find the groups who are trying to use data and say, we're starting here. 
let's drive data literacy. But here's the key. If I'm finding a group in the organization where data is being used regularly, guess what? Those are probably data professionals or people comfortable with it. Expand out and find out who are their customers and how are those customers utilizing the data that team is building. Because if those customers then become stronger in their data literacy, we can expand this out. Like that group's already using data, excited about data. You get to that next phase, which is those using the data. Can we expand their use of the data, show the proof of concept, use it throughout the the organization and boom, hopefully you're on your way and get that snowball rolling down the hill. Ah, I really like that idea. So by customers of the sort of data team, you mean things like, okay, marketing asked me for this dashboard on whatever and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And what I would add, what I would add to that is as data professionals, there's two or three things our mentality has to be. It has to be one, asking questions of the users of our data. How are you using it? Why are you using it that way? Number two, you have to be okay having your data questioned. I want to emphatically say that to any data professional on this call. We always talk about questioning things as being a positive thing. We want to teach people how to ask questions. We need to teach ourselves that it is okay to be criticized. We need to be okay with people critiquing our data or point blank being like, I don't understand data. Can you explain this? Could it be done a different way? I think that sometimes we talk about these questions all the time and teaching people how to ask questions. But think of ourselves, how many data engineers, data scientists, data analysts, data visualization specialists are okay when our data is questioned? That is a part of this culture that we have to build out. We have to be comfortable being criticized. And I think that that is hard. How many of us like to be questioned? It's a, it's a developmental thing. It's something we have to learn, but we better get comfortable with it or else we might be the ones stagnating the work, not them. Absolutely. I mean, certainly in my experience, like just making a very small mistake in some analysis can give you completely disastrous results and something's gone wrong or maybe like there was something in the data you didn't see and like, oh, you've just misled everyone because small change. So yeah, certainly having that transparency seems really important. But on that note, you're saying like being criticized is hard. Another thing I think a lot of people struggle with is just the idea of like data is scary some, to a yeah. lot of people. So how do you get people to overcome that hesitancy and the fear? Well, you'll hear me say it. Like I said it earlier, everybody is data literate. But what they might not understand is that they are data literate, right? And like using our phone, like I, I'm sitting in Utah where I live. I am so like, we need, we need the snow. I get it. We're a desert. The drought has been awful, but I am so tired of snow and, and rain and all of this precipitation. I'm ready for spring. We're 20 or 30 degrees below zero. My son, one of my sons has a baseball tournament that is supposed to be this weekend. And I can look at the data and say, we need to make decisions or I wish that Um, the baseball committee doing the tournament would make a decision. I can look at Friday, there is snow on the forecast. Why is it even a consideration? That's data literacy. That's we're looking at the weather to make a decision. What we have to do, and this is one of something I've been saying now probably for years, is when it comes to data and analytics, people fear what they don't know. They hear intimidating terms, AI, machine learning, data management, data science, data engineering. Not everyone needs to be a data scientist. We just want to make you more comfortable and confident with data. And so we can do that with the proper education. How can data be a part of your job? Now, one other thing that can create fear in someone is this intimidation or fear that data is over and technology will overtake my job. 
One key thing we can't forget with data and analytics is that the human element cannot be eliminated. The human element is a part of it, right? We want to harmonize between the data and the human to make smarter decisions. Sometimes the human wins out. Sometimes the data wins out. But can we make people comfortable to say, you know what, this is what my gut feel says. Let me bring data to the gut feel. We have to be open that the data can eliminate our gut feel, not have confirmation bias. But we need to share with people, we don't want to change you. We don't want to eliminate you. We don't want to do those things. We want to empower you with things to help you do your job better. I can almost guarantee if you were to ask people, how many of you have a job that is not busy? Or how many of you wouldn't want to be able to do your job better? If people are saying no to that, I, that's a whole different conversation. Well, guess what tools like data and analytics should be doing? Empowering us in our jobs. End of story. People like bonuses. People like more money. Well, guess what? If you can use data in your job, hopefully it makes you smarter with decisions and empowers you better in your job. So these are little things that we could do to eliminate that fear and say, let's just empower you more. Do you have any sort of concrete, concrete examples of this where there's like a, a small win or a small project that people can uh, participate in and go, okay, this is empowering me. This is helping me. I've got a benefit. Well, see, here's the thing is, is I don't have like one example off the top of my mind, but here's what I would encourage every listener to do. If you have people that are stuck in their fear, get them involved in a project, right? The data is one thing, but everybody, you know, has skills, has backgrounds. Maybe they're good storytellers. And you can get them involved in the project to be like, look, I have this analysis. I can tell you everything about it. But guess what? I have no idea how to communicate this. Get them involved in the project because they're good at communicating. They don't have to do the advanced analytics. They're not doing all that stuff, but they're involved in a data-driven project, bringing their skills to the table. Maybe you know someone in a different department in your organization where you're like, you know what? I bet they have a unique perspective on this. Come in and just look at what I'm thinking. Come in and let me work with you. That's not teaching them mathematical formulas. They're not learning calculus or statistics. They're not learning how to code. They are now a part of a decision-making process where data is a key element of that decision process. So get people involved without having to have them, well, maybe I don't want to say it that way, get people involved with their skills. And at the same time, we can educate each other on these things. And the final thing I'll say on this is find accountability partners in your organization where you can go to them and be like, this is my story. Does it make sense? Here's the data I used. Does it make sense? What do you think of this? Can you opine on it? That way, you're not just stuck in your own echo chamber, your own tunnel vision of what you're thinking, but you have three or four people. You're like, hey, just take a look at this visualization. If you were to look at it, does it make sense? It doesn't necessarily have to be a data person that you ask. In fact, if you do that, all you're doing is circling the wagons around the same people. Get everybody involved. And I do like this idea of an accountability partner. Um, do you have any other sort of tips for how you can uh, get people to develop like good habits around actually using data? Number one, if you are a leader, never have people present a dashboard in a meeting. Okay. What I mean by that is, and I shouldn't say never because I don't like being binary. Yes, no. But what I mean by this is if you build dashboards or you have people that build dashboards for you, send them the dashboard early so that they can review the dashboard before the meeting. Then the meeting becomes what is happening in the dashboard. You have to be able to answer what is occurring in the data, not here's my dashboard. People, what we want is people to be able to read the data themselves. Look at it. What I want is I want to know what is happening and why. 
The dashboard is probably to a degree, in a lot of cases, just a descriptive analytic. I want to know the diagnostic analytic. I want to know why it is occurring. So utilize meetings more for discussion-based conversation around the dashboard, not have someone get up for 30 minutes and present the dashboard. Just send it early and let them look in it. Um, the other thing is get people in the habit of saying, like if someone came up to me and was like, this is my thoughts on the decision, just ask a question. Oh, okay, what data did you use to make that decision? You might run into stumbling and stuff. It's like, okay, go back, pull out three or four data points that support that decision or don't. But you better be good at asking questions because they might just find data that supports their decision. Then dig into it and be like, awesome. Tell me where you got these data points. Why did you choose these data points? I see that visualization. Is there another way we can visualize this? These, that's a simple thing to get conversations around people actually using data to present things. So number one, the one key is don't have anybody, pre- or uh, again, sometimes I get it. You need to present the dashboard. But hopefully in a lot of cases, what you could do is have them send it early. And then the meeting becomes more productive around why things are occurring in there. And then number two, ask for supportive data all the time, because then it puts them on the spot to say, ooh, I know my boss is going to ask me for data. And by the way, if you are giving someone an op- like a thought process or a decision you're thinking of, every single time back it up with data points so that that audience then becomes used to, I support what I'm doing with data. That's brilliant. I especially like the idea of like not having meetings where you're just going through like PowerPoint after PowerPoint full of like, oh, we're 77% of the way to this target. So I I do not like, (laughs) if you're ever around me, just ask my team. I want to eliminate as many meetings as possible because it's one of those where I'm fine with meetings as long as that me- those meetings are really ideation meetings or digging in meetings or coming to conclusion meetings, not, hey, I guess this is the data. I'm like, I can read all that without that. I want to be more effective in how these things operate. We're going to go to audience questions in a couple of minutes' time. I can see there's loads of great questions come in already. Um, before that, um, a couple of questions for you. So first of all, like, how do you measure the success? How do you know your organization's got more data literate? How do you know you've had some benefit? So this is a tough question, right? Because if you think about projects in general that utilize data, there could be multiple aspects that went into that project. So the true attribution rule that data supported is going to be very difficult to do. So what I would say is one thing you could do from a data success pro or a data program success, and then we'll get to the data literacy side, is find where success stories happen and data was and show how data supported it. That's a way hopefully you get people to buy in. Now the other thing I would say is sometimes data success does not look like a project succeeding, but data success is the data illuminated learnings and things like that through the project. Now the data literacy side again, it can be difficult to understand how to measure it. One of the things you could do is the benchmarking approach, right? This is something I I think hopefully has become standard in data literacy where you assess the organization. And what I would say is you can find assessments that exist. Or one thing I advocate for at times is creating assessments within your organization. So you manage it, you keep it. Organizations are different from each other. And then you benchmark it. You continually benchmark it end of every quarter, twice a year, whatever you determine as part of your strategy to do that. What you want to see is the increase in the scores and all of that. But at the same time, there are those intangible things we just talked about. And you can measure those to an extent. 
How many data points were shared in the meeting when a decision was made? How many meetings are driven by data? How many supporting, you know, all of those things are ways to allow you to say data is being used more. And again, there's, there's different ways, right? If you've implemented, let's say, data camp learning at your organization, are we seeing more people take the courses? Are we seeing scores go up in those courses? What are we seeing occur with those courses? And then as a leader, this is incumbent on you. This is on your shoulders. Are you measuring and following? My employees learn this, but I'm seeing it nowhere. Well, then what, what is that gap? That You as the leader better figure that out, right? Um, so it, it's just the reality that there's some tangible, um, well, one tangible on the data literacy side, which is that benchmarking, the assessments, and then you can find other things, gamification, how many courses are taken, um, are we seeing data or different things? I don't even know what I was going to say there. But anyway, hopefully this is making sense on all that. And, and one of the things, I'm an open book. Anybody can connect with me on LinkedIn, ask me questions on this, because I know we're going to be running very short on time shortly here. Um, so connect with me on LinkedIn. I am more than happy to keep this. I could talk all day. You could probably tell that very quickly. Yeah, actually, so if anyone wants to know more about like how you go up measuring the success, like how we do it on DataCamp, uh, there are some uh, any booths available. So after this session, if you want to go to one of the booths, you can chat to someone. They're going to tell you all about like how do you actually quantify this stuff. All right, so last question from me. Uh, starting to think about how you go beyond data literacy. So yeah. in your B Data books, so you've got the first ones on like uh, B Data Literate, then you've got uh, B Data. Uh, is about really? data decision making, and then you got one on data analysis. So, how do you think about like the difference between these three levels, and how do you go from beyond uh, just data literate to the next stages? Yeah. So, if you think about the three books, it, it, data literacy is a part of the puzzle right, for data and analytical success. So, book one, be data literate about data literacy, more individually focused. Number two, be data driven is the organization side on being data driven. Book three, be data analytical. You could think of it as a continuation of be data literate to a degree. There are four levels of analytics, and that's what book three is about, where we have to understand our place in this data and analytical landscape, figuring that out. So you can use be data literate, then you can jump into be data analytical. You can jump into be data driven to figure out the organizational side. But data literacy, you, you start with my three C's, curiosity, creativity, critical thinking, right? Those are the things you want to learn and develop. As you expand your knowledge, find the area that excites you. That to me is that next. If you don't like riding bicycles, why would you ever exercise and choose bicycles as what you do? Well, maybe you're a runner. That's data and analytics. If you hate statistics, don't touch them. There's other areas that you can do. And then maybe you develop this idea or this desire to do it. So for me, I just look at this, use data literacy maybe as your foundational thing. Before that, make sure you're working on your mindset to get your mindset right on how to use data. Use data literacy to develop your skills and then find those areas that interest you. Uh, it could be advanced things. It could be AI. It could be these things. Or it might be, you know what? I just like using data to support me in my decisions. Perfect. You don't need to go beyond that. And um, so that's what I mean is it's each individualistic and you find your ways to absorb it, learn and grow. Thank you very much. Uh, so we've got, uh, let me see, six minutes left. So uh, let's take some audience questions. All right. So this first question comes from Daisy. Yeah. And Daisy asks, uh, how do you truly convince a company to trust the data? I find that my organization wants to be data driven, but tends to ignore data 
and favor opinion when it comes to bigger decisions. Before I answer it, I do want to say everybody whose question I don't go get to, shoot it to me in LinkedIn and we can get it to you. Richie, I don't know if it's possible. Another thing we could do is if you can print them out, I will hand type answers to them, send it back to the team and they can send it out. So two options there. So Daisy, this it's, it's a very complicated question because what you're getting at is you're now getting at to opinions and you're getting to ideas and feelings and the way we've always done things. And so part of it is uh, the one bit of advice I tell organizations, and I'm happy to do it, or you can find others, bring in an outside expert to talk to the senior leadership team about data literacy. I think part of it, when it comes to data and being data driven at times, we get to this uh, my mind kind of went blank there, but with senior leaders, I think that there's this fear that the human side, their experience is eliminated. Their gut feel is eliminated. Their intuition is eliminated. That's not what we do, right? True data-driven, true data literacy is about combining those things. And I think that is education for the senior leadership to understand, quit talking the talk if you won't walk the walk. Quit saying it if you're not going to do it. And so one of the things you could do is get leaders to bring in an outside voice to come speak to them. Number two is create a library of maybe four or five decisions that are proof of concepts where data came up, was a part of it. Being a part of it, the data showed this, this, this combined with the human element. We made this decision. Here's the success. Hopefully what that can do is help convince them to say, look, we're not eliminating you. We're combining you. And by combining you, we created these success stories. And oh my goodness, look at this success story. And then you can get them more on board and saying, oh, okay, we're not getting rid of my thoughts. We're just bringing, here's this data point. Here's that data point. And we just want to make it a natural part of how they do their work. Absolutely. And I think there are certainly some parts of the business where you're going to have like more data that's going to involve like some big financial wins than others, things like uh, sales and marketing or big cost sort of centers, there's going to be a lot of like money involved there. So executives are much more likely to sort of listen yeah. to you at that point. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So next question comes from Pauline. So Pauline asks, where would you start in creating a data literacy program for your organization? Absolutely. And Pauline, I see that you're in Glasgow. There's a good chance I'll be in Glasgow in May. Uh, so connect with me and I can say hello in person. Um, creating a data literacy program in an organization, again, I spoke about this a little, find, if you do not have leadership buy-in, find where there are hot spots of data usage occurring or find those who are excited about it. Number one, your first thing is if, if the organization isn't talking about it, number one, you need to convince your leader that it matters because you don't want to set out on a journey and then your leader finds out, isn't on board and just squashes it. So make sure your leader understands, get them convinced and then find how you want to do it. Do you want to test pilot with five or 10 people? It doesn't have to be big. You can start it with this grassroots movement, find five to 10 people where you're saying, okay, you have expressed interest. One way you could do that is send out a survey and say, how many people would be interested in a data literacy program? You could send it to 50, 100 people, the whole organization, and you're starting to get a feel internally, is there a desire for this? Hopefully what you have is at least five to 10 people who want to partake in it. Then you build the program and I can help do, show you how to do that. Then you show the success that those five to 10 people have expanded out from there. So it just kind of depends. Find where the hot spots are, find who's excited, find out who would be a part of it, get your leadership buy-in and then march forward. But I would say, start with you. 
You be that leader. You be that person who says, I'm going to drive this at my company and get your leadership's buy-in, build a survey to find out who you want to participate. And when you have them in that phrase, there are programs out there. I'm happy to show you how to, to get these things started and then you get them rolling. Absolutely. Uh, brilliant. Um, five to 10 people is, is sort of sounds like plenty uh, just for a first pass, doesn't it? Uh, okay, so uh, next question comes from Thomas. Uh, this might be the last one we have time for, because here we go. Uh, so this one is a little bit more technical, like beyond yep. data literacy, how often do you use machine learning, pipelines, data analysis, feature engineering, all these sort of technical things? What do you yeah. think? Yeah, so Thomas, this is an interesting question. One of the things that has been hot on my mind lately is organizational readiness uh, when it comes to prom- – I'm trying to think if I've been specific or as holistic – when it comes to data and analytical use. If the organization isn't ready, I don't care how cool the machine learning and AI is, why in the world would it matter if the organization's not ready, if that makes sense? And so what I would say is this is context-based. There are certain things where machine learning and AI can be extremely powerful, right? But you better have your data management set up well so that it works properly. That's the same thing with data analysis and things like that, where you're using maybe a data visualization specialist, same thing. If your data on the back end isn't ready, I don't care how cool the tool is, it might not work. So where you want to design this, because there's not going to be a one size fits all, is number one, make sure your organization's data strategy is working, is understood, and is owned. Without a data strategy, I'm probably not going to implement machine learning because I need to understand what aspects of the business it makes sense for and what ones I don't. Find out with that data strategy, what business questions are you trying to answer with your data strategy? That can illuminate which tool do I want to use and which one not. And I get that we're at time. This is a bigger question or a bigger answer um, than I have time for here. But as your guiding compass on this, figure out, does your data strategy work? Does it support your business strategy? What objectives and outcomes are you looking to achieve? And then be a leader in that space to say, do I even really need machine learning for this? Well, no, but over here, it could work like a charm. And so that's where we have to balance it out within those. And I apologize that I, I know I'm out of time and I want to be respectful of that for everybody and for Richie. All right, we got told off if we, if we carry on for much longer. So thank you very much, Jordan. That was, that was really amazing stuff. Every time I speak to you, I, I learned <laughs> so much. So thank you to everyone for, who asked a question. Thank you for everyone who joined if you want to know more about implementing data literacy in your organization please head to one of the emic booths for everyone else the last session of today is martin our chief operating officer he's got uh, a little closing speech and then uh, we will see you all again tomorrow uh, so uh, thank you once again to everyone all right bye